0: On the BG, cross the Mallee. In the Pilbara, round the valley, they're waking up with Mac. G'day, Mac, it's John in Melbourne. Mate, I'm really entertained by your
1: program.
2: Well, that's very nice uh, of you, John.
1: And I love to hear the stories from the outback. I'm a chauffeur in Melbourne, just on my way to pick up my first client, so I'll have to turn the radio off for a while. Good life meets some nice people, stressless.
2: What's the traffic like in Melbourne? I don't need to ask, really, I suppose.
1: It's getting worse, mate. That Westgate Bridge is a car park every morning. Every day I get people asking me, oh, how do you coach with the traffic, well, you just have to, you know, no point getting upset about
0: it. you just got to suck it up and keep going. G'day, Macca. Gail Whipmaker, Queensland. Macker, I'm on McClay Island, which is a group of islands off Brisbane. The sun is just about to pop up over North Stradbroke Island. I can see the rays of the sun, and it, this is the part of the world that everybody should see. Nothing like it.
2: How's the whipmaking business, go?
0: Can't make enough, Macca. I'm past retirement, but I just can't stop, so I feel I'll just keep going until I drop.
2: Where do you send your whips? Are they local or you send them overseas or what?
0: Around the globe, kangaroo skin whips are the best whips possible. Kangaroo leather is the strongest leather there is, weight for weight. Not only do we have the best quality leather in the world, we have the best whip makers in the world, primarily because we are the great unfenced country, and men and women here in Australia still use whips for real. They're on the way, and while we're travelling, of course, we turn to Macca. We could be surfing the internet, but we think this is better yet, because we surf Australia with Macca every Sunday morning. I wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. Good morning
2: and welcome. We're in Cook Park in Orange amongst beautiful trees. I'll tell you about them. There's all sorts of wonderful trees here, wonderful. Um, there's lots of uh, people here that I wanted to talk to. Um, there's a bloke over here um that i've seen before he's with his dog his name's bob bob green how are you bob very good thanks then bob's looking We should have a photo of bob he's got a lovely hat on and uh it's a bit daggy your hat bob but
3: <laughs> i'm sorry yeah. it's the
2: best i could do <laughs> but daggy hats are the best yeah
3: that's yeah. yeah. well yeah. used
2: yeah so bob what are you up to what are you doing uh, uh, bob's a, a musician um uh and other things uh, a troubadour traveling troubadour and all sorts of things. Um, where have you been?
3: Well, I've just come back from um, Braidwood. I've been playing at the Aid Bra- camp down there. Oh, right. Because Aid come down to Parmazoke and they held us out with the fence that got burnt down.
2: Where's Parmazoke?
3: Parmazoke is between Safala um, and Sunny Corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, where's that for the rest of it? <laughs> well, it's um, near Bathurst. Yeah, right, yeah. That's better. Yeah. And... Uh, and so because they, they helped us out with the fence and they were fantastic people, uh, I'm trying to play at as many aid camps as possible mm-hmm. and take and, and repay the debt, you know. And, um, and they're nice people, mate. They're, they're beautiful.
2: Mm. Well, they're volunteers mostly and, and just, uh, yeah, helping out wherever they can.
3: Yeah, and a lot of them um, haven't, haven't fixed a fence before or, or wouldn't know one end of a wire strainer from the other. Mm-hmm. And they're having a go now your dog here what's That's rose? rose rose she's an unemployed working dog
2: <laughs>
3: because we've got no sheep anymore because um the fire burnt out 75 percent of the the grass so we've had to send the sheep off so she's uh unemployed but you've had rain there at what's it called again at palmer's oaky oh yeah yeah it's, it's looking green it's green up it's looking really good yeah it's going well mm. anything else to report bobby what have you been up to apart well, from that Well, last night I played at the Royal Laver in Hill End. The Royal Hotel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's my regular gig that I I do over there every Saturday night where I can. And um, I come through Longman's Point over the Macquarie. That was a bit dodgy. At one point I thought in the middle of it, I thought, well, I've I've overestimated my abilities. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I kept on regardless and, you know, here I am. Yeah, good on you. Nice to see you. Yeah.
2: I'm here in the park, in Orange, in Cook Park, named after the good captain or lieutenant, uh, James Cook. who would sailed out from England. I've got a whole pile of people here in front of me who've sailed out from England for a totally different reason, a lot later than Captain Cook did. Uh, And amongst them is uh, our former MD, David Hill. G'day, Dave. Good G'day, Mac, Good to be here. Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't think you'd make it at this early hour in the morning, and it's well, cold. <laughs> it's so cold. A month ago, it was forty degrees here every day, mm-hmm. and and we've missed autumn. It seems we've gone straight into winter. But they... the, the locals, the locals don't notice it. But we we blow in some Sydney are freezing. Well, as I said, um, autumn's come
2: suddenly. It's just arrived. Really, we've had lovely weather and all of it. Even where I live in the in the Big Smoke, it's uh, it's. It's turned up. It's a, it's a, it's a proper autumn. Um, uh, but I always imagined an orange autumn to be, you know,
0: seasons of Mr Merlow fruitfulness. Well, well, the leaves here will turn. This park particularly is beautiful. The most beautiful park in autumn in Australia, Cook Park. But the bloke just said to me this
2: morning, he said, look, he said, uh, autumn, why are you here now? You should have been here in February. Uh, he said. Don't come in March. He said, the only reason the sun is, uh, we have the sun in orange in March is for light. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: it's a beautiful day. It's a glorious day.
2: Look, a big, and a glorious day for you and and
0: the old Fairbridgeians, because uh, Fairbridge... It's a big day for us. You see in front of you, a lot of the old Fairbridge kids, we were all child migrants. um, And uh, for a lot of the 20th century, uh, thousands of kids came out from England without parents. Most of them never saw their parents again, as young as four years of age. And what you see in front of you uh, is a good uh, representation of all the Fairbridge kids. The Fairbridge farm was about 30 miles, 30 kilometres uh, west of Orange on the Mitchell Highway. Just out of Molong. Just, just out of Molong. And we, built, we just finished building a beautiful park that tells the children's story from their life in England, their voyage across the seas, and their life at Fairbridge Farm. And we're officially opening it today. When your show finishes, we're going out to open our our park. And and you have here the old Fairbridge Choir.
2: Mm. (laughs) The the Fairbridge Choir. But uh, there wasn't much to sing about, uh, was there, in those days when you were little kids? I mean, I can't imagine it. I I think I read about convict kids who came out here Mm. and they were sent to... Down to Port Phillip, you know, Port Arthur, and 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 some of them jumped off cliffs and stuff like
0: that. Well, m- most of us, not, virtually none of us, were orphans. We were just bloody poor, mm. and uh, these schemes believed it was the, in the interest of the kids uh, to separate them from their families permanently and send them out here, and the boys to be trained as farm labourers and the girls as domestic servants. And and of course nowadays we think. What possessed you to think that it's good for a child to be permanently separated from their mum? At the
2: and their dad and their grandparents and their uncles. Yeah. And aun- nothing. They had, some of them had nothing from four years of age. I just, it just boggles me. Um, and three little hill kids came out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we were lucky because uh, we were a bit older. I was 12 and uh, I had a twin brother and an older brother and I was only there three years. And, and we were, I was one of the lucky few because my mum managed to follow us out. So we got back together as a family. But most Fairbridge kids never saw their families again. And um, all sorts of um, hardships and bastardry really went on, didn't they? Yeah, today we want to deal on the uplifting side, but um, yeah, it is a a bleak story. And the truth has really only come out in the last few years. And only in the last five years, you've now had the British government, the Australian government, the New South Wales government all apologise admit and acknowledge that they failed to protect the children, and they've all paid financial compensation to the victims of abuse. So at least there's a recognition of uh, the bad things that happened to to not just the Fairbridge kids, but to a lot of other child migrants. There were about 20-odd schemes like Fairbridge around Australia by the mid-1950s. This is Maggie. How are you, Maggie?
4: Um, I'm very well, thanks.
2: Tell me your story.
4: Oh, it's too long how long do you want a week?
2: I've <laughs> no, got five minutes. Yeah, go.
4: <laughs> oh, I've been out since just before the war.
2: Before the Second World War, so 39 or?
4: I 38. I left and arrived thirty-nine, sixth 39, of January, 1939. And uh, well, I'm still alive and still kicking and doing well.
2: Yeah. Um, uh... it was a hard time.
4: It was a very hard time at Fairridge over various matters mm. but we managed to pull through mm.
2: david said that you have a um a little piece you wanted to read when they opened the farm a little later okay, uh, okay. um and what was that can you read it tell us what that's what basically that says you've got it in your purse yeah i'll hold you hold you
0: and this is uh, maggie's cutting the ri- maggie's cutting the ribbon on behalf of all the Fairbridge kids to officially open the park. Uh And this is her little speech. Okay, go for it, Meg.
4: Well, it's hello to you all. How wonderful to see so many people here today on this memorable occasion. It's great honour for Jimmy and myself to be here representing thousands of child migrants who were sent to this country for a better life. How have a wonderful day meeting up with childhood friends. Wishing you all happiness and good health. And that's
2: it. And that's it, isn't that nice? Good now, you, Maggie. Na- now, Maggie, tell us, who's Jimmy? Who's Jimmy?
4: Jimmy Napper. he lost his wife uh, four years <laughs> ago. He's a Fairbridge lad <laughs> and he's 92 and he come up to stay with me. He's here to <laughs> yeah, stay he with me is for, com- he is right for company. And, and so we're, we're, he lives at our home. Yeah. And uh, Are
2: you sort of like an item, you two, or...?
4: No, we're we're just great pals. Just good friends. Yes, great
2: pals. P- <laughs> and you're you're not married, or?
4: No, 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 oh, no. no. twice. <laughs> I've already had three husbands and lost. And, and lost them all. Lost them all. Yes, from cancer. So
2: various
5: forms
4: of cancer.
2: So you don't want to marry no, four. I,
4: no, four times. I'm not trying to catch Elizabeth Taylor or anybody. <laughs>
1: to train you know. me you know
2: <laughs> so maggie you, you're originally from scotland is that right
4: i yeah. i i
2: yeah.
4: i i was i was four when i was put in a home mm. in england from scotland to england mm. and then they put me on the ship with hundreds of other kids so and i had my fifth birthday on board ship mm-hmm. and uh, the only time i ever got a birthday present and i was given a little black doll and the other girls were all jealous of it, so they pulled its arms and legs and head off. <laughs> so i had to throw the rest of it into the ocean and do you reckon
2: I, I, do you reckon that I look i don't know they say you know you've got to be uh, you've got to uh, live the blues to sing the blues and play the blues um
4: i play the bagpipes <laughs> <laughs> <I love it>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should have brought them maggie i, <laughs> I can do the fling um <laughs>
4: I've got enough wind with me.
2: <laughs> so, so, so uh, has it major tougher? Do you think you're a, a tougher guy?
4: Okay, I mean, at eighty-eight, that's a lot of years, mm. and I just, yeah, I'm battling on, and I feel as though it has, Fairbridge has made me uh, responsible for myself, mm. and fighting, it's
2: a tough way to do that, but isn't
4: it? My word, it mm. is. A lot of sad moments at Fairbridge, but you try to put them behind you. And 4, I, Yes, and I'm a people person. I love people, being with people, and I can dance my weary sob, sob days away yeah. and uh, just forget about the past yeah. and live for today. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's lovely to meet you, Maggie. Uh, Jimmy, what do you... Because do uh, I often think about, you know, uh, roads not travelled and things like that. Do you... Do you think, and David, do you, do you think about uh, what you would have been or what you, say, if, if, if you had stayed in England and uh, if that hadn't happened to you?
0: Oh, look, life, uh, the prospects for all of us in England were poor. I mean, we all came from very, very poor families. And I think you'd have to say Australia has proved to be fantastic for all of us. But Fairbridge wasn't. Uh, these uh, schemes, and it wasn't just Fairbridge, promised, you know, they came to destitute parents like my mum and said, look, if you love your kids we can give them an education and an opportunity that you can't. Sign them over to us. And ill-educated parents signed their kids away and could never get them back. And the fact is, we never got the education. We all left school at 15 because we had to produce the food on the farm. We killed the sheep at 15 years of age. We milked the cows. We baked the bread. Uh, and the kids, the kids largely produced the food from the farm. And at 17 years of age... The kids had no money, no educational qualification, no family to go to and they were found jobs usually in remote sheep stations in the west of the state, either as farmhands in in the case of the boys or domestic servants in the case of the girls.
2: That sounds terrible Yet Maggie here and young Jimmy here. I wish I had a picture of Jimmy here uh, got smiles on their faces. Jimmy, (laughs) Why
1: not? I mean, life's what you make it. And why be unhappy? I mean, we had enough of that. But now... You've
2: moved on, drawn a line under it. Life's here for us.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm getting on a bit, but I'm not that old, you know.
2: (laughs) You haven't lost much of your accent, Jim. How old were you when you got
1: here? I was 11.
2: 11.
1: I was 11, eight days after I got here. And uh, I left the school when I was 17, as David says. And I still laugh when I remember the job I went to uh, how well trained we were I was sent out to dig a post hole (laughs) by the farmer and I went up the paddock and dug this hole and he brought the post up and he looked at me and he said who trained you mate I said why he said we don't have pointed posts and I said, what? He said, we don't have pointed posts. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, that hole goes to a point. He said, and how am I supposed to put this round peg in it? <laughs> and I felt about that bloody eye.
3: <laughs>
1: but I thought, well, I'm well trained. <laughs> and uh, this was one of the main drawbacks. Where, as David says, we were sent out untrained and unprepared for life in the open. Uh, but we
0: soon learned. We had to. Yeah. And you know what's really good, Macca? Uh, the, the old Fairbridgeans are the extended family. So for a lot of, lot of the Fairbridge kids, other Fairbridge kids are their family. Yeah, so they've got a big extended family where, where when their kids
2: had nothing, had nothing. 50 of them here now. And you're going to sing a song for us. What's it, what's it
0: called? It's called, the, the, the Fairbridge was uh, very famous. Uh, and a lot of the older people here will remember it. They had an old World War II bus that was famous it it it, it had uh, uh, doorways but no doors uh, it w- was wooden framed it wasn't made of metal it was a wooden frame bus and it used to take us to the local churches and it used to take us to sport through the west of new south wales central west of new south wales and it was such a funny old bus that w- we used to sing a song about it and we wanted to sing you the fairbridge bus song my, my, uh, my... You know I mean? Mike Walker's going to count one, two, three. And
2: how are you, Mike? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. good, good. You're the musical, the MD, musical director. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you say so. If you say so. <laughs> okay. Okay, um, so you one Do one you, you want can you talk to talk turn me around or? Good. I'll go around. To... Okay. You ready, guys? One, two, three.
1: There's an old-fashioned bus, and it's meant to carry us along the road to Fairbridge farm. It's got water in its petrol tank and sawdust in its gears, and it hasn't seen a garage for over fifty years. Oh my lord, oh my lord! Here comes Woodsy in his along the road to
3: Fairbridge Farm.
2: That's fantastic, and you get a a toilet roll. Uh, there you go. We're giving away free toilet rolls this morning. It's it's just no. N- <laughs> no expense fair. I'm in Orange and I'm talking to the mayor of Orange. Red uh, Reg, how are you, Reg? Hi, Mac. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Should I sh- sh- shift, shift a little bit away from
6: you? Here? No, no, no. We've got 76 doctors uh, in Orange from all over Australia. So, we've got the world's best expertise here. So, if anyone uh, has a cough or a sneeze today, uh, go down to the concert this afternoon and see the
2: doctors. So you'll get a free uh, appointment. Uh, What's the the concert this afternoon?
6: It's the Australian uh, Doctors' Orchestra, uh, and they're from doctors from all over Australia, and uh, they usually do a concert once a year either in Sydney or uh, Melbourne, but we were very, very fortunate to uh, get them out here, and they're raising money for uh, palliative care in Orange. We want to have a separate unit for palliative care. We should have got them up here this morning. We should have. uh, They were down practising yesterday. I went in and listened. They take it very serious. Most of them arrived... uh, Thursday and Friday, and uh, they had practice Friday night uh, yesterday and the concert's not on till 2 o'clock. I think some of them are going out to the uh, opening of the Fairbridge Memorial Park at 11, so they'll probably put a bit of music
2: on there too. Yeah, some of them are coming down this morning too. I think David Hill's in town. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, to, to think about um, doctors and what they've got to put up with at the moment. Maybe we'll talk to our doctor, one of our doctor uh, friends uh, this morning, but... Um being a doctor, especially in this time, it's a, it's a different sort of uh, set of circumstances for them. I always think about a doctor and, you know, you come in and, and my doctor says, oh, I never say what's wrong. I say, um, and what can I do for you today? <laughs> That's what the- oh,
6: I think the funny thing is uh, a friend said to me once, and it's so true, no one goes to their doctor to say, oh, I'm having a good day. or I feel really good. Isn't it wouldn't be terrible going to work every day knowing every time you walk out that door, someone's there because they've got a problem.
2: This is a different set okay. of circumstances yeah, exactly <laughs> this is a different set of circumstances for them, isn't it? much different and um, it must be well, even though you you know you know about health and all those sort of things, it must be reasonably um, confronting for them and uh, makes them pause to think again and about washing your hands and all those sort of things. look that uh, certainly isn't I mean uh, if
6: we look from a council perspective we 've got uh, a, a big uh, staff, a huge staff. And we've got libraries and got swimming pools to run. And as you know, lots of uh, events happening over the next few months. And uh, we have to sit down there, uh, you know, by the hour. And we're getting information fed through to us. And uh, we're in the unknown, aren't we, all over the world. And uh, I was with some people last night, their first visit to Australia here from Norway. Uh, They've got a son and a daughter-in-law here. And they got rang up at four o'clock in the morning. Norway's closing its borders on Monday. And their daughter, who's a doctor in Norway, said, look, Mum and Dad, the best thing is to come home because we just don't know how long you could be uh, in Australia. So a, a wonderful visit to Australia. They're on the road now back down to Sydney to get on the plane.
2: What, sorry, what's your name?
7: Stephen. Stephen. What's the story, Steve? Uh, due to work commitments, uh, she decided to sell the farm. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have to move into town. So, I uh, live in West Wyalong through the week. And then the weekend's on home, so she didn't want to look after me cows or me chooks or anything, so I had to get rid of it all. Wow. Not a happy man. (laughs) So it'll be, um, yeah, well, a change is as good as a holiday, Steve. Uh, Really?
5: Okay. (laughs)
7: Well, we've lived, uh, you know, many places, Kalgoorlie, Leonora, yeah, with in the mining industry. Mm -hmm. So, but, uh, yeah. What the boss wants, the boss gets.
2: I was talking to... um I was down having a coffee, um, the other day uh, in town here. There's thirty five co- coffee shops in in uh, Orange. Did you know that? There's more than that. More than that. Yeah. Sorry, just just I'll be back, Steve. This lady over here knows knows what she's. In, lady in red. <laughs>
4: Good morning, Macca.
2: Hi, what's your name?
4: Glenis. Glenis.
2: There's more than 35, is it?
4: Oh, I think there's about 96 or something, if you count every little one, yes. <laughs>
2: there's a lot of them, isn't there?
4: It? Oh, it's unbelievable, yeah.
2: And it's the place you meet, because I met this bloke, I was talking, Stephen said he's worked in the mining game. Um, he, uh, he said that he worked at the gold mine here. Um, is it Arcadia Valley or Arcadia and Newcrest or something, gold mine?
7: No, we don't actually work for a mine. We do the assaying for the mines. We actually did the uh, exploration work, which discovered Cadia. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, it was the, the company I work for. And then uh, they decided to move out of Orange. Mm-hmm. So now my office is down at West Wylon, and we do Lake Cal down there. We service them. We service all different mines. We just tell them if they've got gold or they haven't got gold. We also get samples sent them up to Townsville or to Perth, where they get um, special test work done for base metals. Yeah, they've got zinc or nickel or whatever. Scandium, even that seems to be a big thing lately. Scandium, mm, yes, people seem to be looking for it. I don't know why. I don't know what it's going to do. <laughs> Some people smarter than us. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny old world, isn't it? Yeah. You... Anyway, we'll talk about
2: that later. I'm um, t- talking about you know, precious metals and all those sort of things. So, what's your training,
7: Stephen? None. <laughs> On the job. I just started. Uh, I've been in the game now 32 years. No uh, university degrees, high school, went to high school, I was a Bathurst boy, right, and I went to high school and as soon as I left school, I've had, what, two jobs since I've left school, one for eight and a half years, the other one for 32, so that's about it. And what, you just, uh, when you say you assay, you... um... We we get get bags of sample, we grind them up nice and fine, then we uh, add flux to it, fire it in a furnace at a thousand-something degrees, pour it, put it in another muffle then we end up with a tiny little prill you can send us 10 kilo samples and send it a tiny prill we digest it in the laboratory read it on a machine it'll tell you if you've got gold or no gold <laughs> <case> maybe <laughs> yeah, wow wow and you, can you tell a percentage and stuff like that we can do you know bullions and things like that as well if they send in a bullion we'll tell them how pure it is so when
2: you say you learned on the job who was your mentor you had some bloke that taught you all this did he and well, you just learned
7: it as as you go?
2: You don't need a geography or geology degree? Or...
7: No, 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 you don't have to. Everything we do is by procedure. You've just got to be able to read, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, no, we are, uh, you know, every, everybody who works, like, you know, I have a lot of indigenous people coming come and get jobs with us, and some of them are the best bloody workers I've ever had. Sorry, the best workers I've had. You, know, we, we... you can say bloody on the program here. Okay. <laughs> now in Kalgoorlie, you see guys down from Kununurra and places like that. You know, and uh, they were excellent workers. Well, they come payday, I'd have to go and find them, but uh, they were great workers through the week and uh, they do their job. That's all you want? That's it. And uh, they enjoyed it. They, they enjoyed coming to work. And even in, uh, you know, we were am in West and we got, uh, you know, anybody who wants a job, they just come down and we put them on. Your name, what's your name?
5: Jetta Kennett. <laughs>
7: janet
2: uh what do you do where are you from
5: uh, i'm from Harden, but i go to boarding school at kinross
2: uh-huh how old are you
5: uh, i'm 17.
2: And in what year are you year 12. all oh, right um so what are you doing what are you going to do
5: well um i'm thinking maybe environmental studies but i'm not too sure
2: well you're going over a yonder, john over there yeah. he's, he's, he's the man to talk to it's a whole range of things isn't it yeah. we had we had a bloke ring one morning and he said uh, i said what do you do he says i'm a fish fondler and he was up in the snow, he's saving little after the bushfires and all the ash had gone in and they were worried about these little fish. So he was in there catching them and they're taking them back and going to breed them. And maybe when the stream gets better, I mean, I think wonderful things. There's so many and he, he, John puts tracking collars on, you know, you know uh, koalas and plants trees and uh, the world's your oyster in lots of ways, isn't it? Yeah. Speaking of which, I've been reading that book about oysters, which is a great, great book. Um, what's it? What's it called, cool um the big oyster i think it's called it's about and there's another story but um anyway she, your name again was jetta so uh, you reckon you'll do environmental studies
5: yeah hopefully
2: <laughs> there was a young girl down here this morning gertrude and she was 16 i think i don't know so she'd be in about what year 10 or 11 or something and um she's from stuttgart yeah. and she's on on uh she's the ghost of school here she goes to the high school orange high school i think she's been out here since september and she's doing um um, yeah, I don't know what she's doing, but she's she's here and loving it. And her English was really good. that's what what was impressive to me. Um, she spoke really really good English. So, tell me some other news. so What's happening in the the world of eighteen-year-olds, seventeen and eighteen-year-olds?
5: Uh, well, Cause
2: I'm not very hip, as you can tell. I got a beanie on.
5: No, you're pretty hip to my dad. Don't worry. Um, well. Uh, I'm doing rowing at the moment at school Um, yeah but the national championships just got called off which is a bit disappointing but um we're hoping to trial for the junior worlds team so that's pretty exciting and just doing some training at the moment so yeah
2: isn't that that great I wish I'd have done rowing at school Um, yeah, great sport. Great sport.
5: Yeah, sure is. I mean,
2: getting up at four in the morning. How good is that?
5: <laughs> Love it. Not much water left in Orange at the moment, but we're making, so
2: where do you row here?
5: Ah, uh, Spring Creek, but there's only about 1.5 k's left of water, so pretty hard to get two k's in. Do quick turns. <laughs> so yeah. So
2: what do you row? A fours, eights, single skulls? Um,
5: my crew that we're trialling with is um, a coxed four, so they're sweep boat so they've got one oar each and I'm the coxswain so yeah
2: there you go oh, lovely great sport great sport lovely thing you're out in the water and and good and a lot of girls in in rowing um uh, because it's I don't know if it's just because it's good for the bod and the <laughs> the yeah the image body image but it's it's a great sport isn't it
5: yeah it's a challenge I think everyone just does it because it's It's such a good opportunity and it's not something that you get unless you come to a boarding school or that sort of thing.
2: Which is a great shame. Um, I went to just an ordinary old state school, so (laughs) we we were lucky to have a vaulting horse at Colgrave High. But, but yeah, it's a great sport. And I don't think every school could have it because in Australia, if you're in the country town, you're on a river. That's when it rains. Or um, (laughs) along the coast, you've got great rowing. And it's a great sport and, um, yeah... Good luck with that.
5: Thank you very much. Right,
2: keep in touch and say good day to Dad.
5: Yeah, hey, Dad. <laughs> good on you. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.